This is David McCall, host of the QTS Experience Podcast. I would argue that if you don't have connectivity and electricity, you are not part of a modern human civilization. Today, I'm interested in the topic of energy, maybe like many of you. I have no training or formal education in this area. I'm a consumer. My primary interest is energy independence for me as a person and for us as a people here in the United States, especially given its strategic importance and the impact on geopolitics. I'm not ignorant of the urgent and important conversation on climate change and the relationship of man-made carbon emissions. Many would say this is of a greater consequence, which may be true. Whatever your perspective, I wanted to talk to somebody who was passionate about this topic and who is entrenched in creating products that influence how we deploy and manage the resources around energy. This week, I'm joined by Michael Lotfi, Senior Vice President of Power Products at Schneider Electric North America, and among other duties, he is responsible for their R&D. I asked Michael to come on the show partly because of his expertise, but especially for his passion and practical optimism on how we roll up our sleeves and get busy helping human beings thrive. Forgive us if at times the conversation sounds like an infomercial. We're just people who are passionate about where we work and how we solve problems. So please enjoy the conversation. And now here is my new friend, Michael Lotfi on the QTS Experience. The most valuable commodity on earth today is data. How we make it, use it, move it and protect it. My name's David McCall. Join me today for the QTS Experience. Dave, I use data mm -hmm. to substantiate uh, what I'm trying to say, for instance, to give it a bit of substance. Right. Right. When, when we talk about CO2, what are we really talking about? Oh, megatons. Right. Are we, you know, but not in the case that I would say, okay, and this is driven by this right. mathematica. Right. No. Right. And then it's too boring for right. them. If you're in an engineering conference, they want to see that. Minutia. If, if I'm at school giving a lecture for some young engineers in MIT or Berkeley, then right. uh, That's right. I usually dive uh, into a Right. Because they won't believe depth. you if you don't, right? They, not just that, but it's, uh, it's, you need, in that particular case, your edu, edu, sharing experience. I don't even like to use the word, edu, I mean, education is phenomenal, but I don't think I'm an educator. Right. But share a substance, like substance of data so they can measure, track, and give opinions on. In this particular case, you're scientifically debating your findings. Right. Right? So then you need to dive into the details. Right. Um, uh, because then the philosophical part has been already addressed. That's why we're in the same room. Right. Usually, right? Like right. if you're going to talk about... Uh, uh, the difference between uh, uh, the new nuclear fusion and the, uh, what we have uh, done in the past, which is now basically harnessing the power of sun right. or similar uh, equation to it. Everybody in the room then knows what we're talking about and why, what we're, or what, what, we, what are we trying to solve for? Right. Um, uh, but then you need the data. But in something like you and I, and the, hopefully your audience will be listening to, we will talk more about the philosophy, the strategy, why we're doing what we're doing, what's the impact on it on the company's PNL, number one, mm -hmm. on a community uh, uh, welfare, because this creates a lot of uh, those, all those new technologies, they don't just create new jobs, they create new dynamics of the economy. Some of it creates a bit of resiliency on the economy, which is actually US has been very uh, I would say blessed. Mm. If you look at what's happening in the world now and mm -hmm. the US, this is not just the birth of the last one or two years right. or three years or 40 years. Right. 
it's a birth of the U.S. taking entrepreneurship path that is better than any other country in the world. The right. U.S. might lack, we might criticize healthcare, we might criticize educational system and the paying and so on compared to Europe. But you also do not deny the fact that this is the best environment for entrepreneurs to create and innovate, which is something that lacks in the rest of the world. Right. Because, for instance, and I lived in Germany most of my life and I like Germany. Uh, but to open a company and be entrepreneur like uh, Elon Musk or Jeff right. Bezos or without even mentioning <clears throat> names, right. the regulations will kill you at the start. Right. Then the taxation will come to you from the get-go right. and then you'll never take it off. And that's right. why you always have those old guard companies that are 140 years, under, which is all due respect to them. Then you compare it to the U.S. where what we call small businesses, startups is a culture. Right. right? Everybody believes in something, drives it. Right. So how this new economy uh, and the circularity of this economy will impact the not just the data centers, but all the industries moving forward is something I'll always like to talk about. That's so good. We're keeping it in the podcast. So we've just started. <laughs> okay. So that was that was outstanding. And I want to come back to that idea in a minute. But um, actually, before we dive into some of the things that I was imagining by thank you for coming on the show. You know, what's interesting is I meet amazing people from around the world that are so attracted to come to the States. They love being German, but they like, they love the entrepreneurial Absolutely. opportunity here, or they love being from Buenos Aires or wherever, right? They're not, it's not that they don't love their country. It's that the circumstances, it's almost like soil, the circumstances for them to grow an idea are so difficult to get started for whatever reason. Um, that they come here and it's much easier, but it also, it's sort of a catch 22 sometimes because I, I, I don't know if you would agree with me, but I'm, I, my uh, political philosophy tends to be libertarian. And what that usually means is I'm uh, skeptical on the one hand on more regulation and legislation, because I imagine the impact it will have on entrepreneurial opportunities at the same time, if we do not have in some of the subjects we're going to talk about later, enforcement and regulation and whatever then we're we're going to have uh we're going to have a shanty town we're going to have a place that's unsafe to live it's going to be collapsing there's no way to get the the things that you need and emergency services and healthy living and you know sustainable living and whatever we'd still have big sewer pits out at the end of the street or whatever so it's this curious mix of intention of how do we keep the foil, soil turned and opportunities for people, well, at the same time, not just run amok. Nobody would get on an elevator that's not inspected with regulation and whatever. So by way of sort of response to your opening um, uh, perspective, it, it's this re weird tension. But I love living here and that we have this opportunity for people to come and um, take a shot at solving problems of the world. Absolutely. I mean, this is, I mean, look at me. <clears throat> it is not just the, I mean, if we talk about what attracts people to the United States, right, and in particular in the United States, I don't like to speak outside the room right. <laughs> sometimes. I, not that I'm a great example to be followed, but right. look at me. I'm a guy that was born in Egypt. I'm Egyptian. Okay. God knows how many generations. Uh, I think I tracked my family all the way to the fifth century, and we wow. are definitely Egyptians. Right. Um, <laughs> Um, and I came here, uh, <clears throat> with a simple dream is to drive technology and be who I am and 
you know. And this was the, I had the opportunity. I lived in Germany. I lived in Switzerland. I lived all over the world. I lived right. in Dubai. But after living all, all over the world, more mm -hmm. than 10 countries, I decided to come back here because this was the right platform after me traveling all around the world mm. that launches my idea, that I it enables me to, to do what I want. Not only that, it's also about the ecosystem. Mm. It's not just it allows you to have an idea, but you have the right infrastructure and the right counterparts mm. and the right minds, mm. right? To actually go get it done. Mm -hmm. Because there is also economies in the world, not to be exclusive, mm -hmm. but there is economies in the world and countries in the world that actually encourages entrepreneurship, mm -hmm. right? You have new economies like United Arab Emirates and, mm -hmm. and so on, and some parts of Southeast Asia, but they don't have, they yet do not have the ecosystem. Mm. What happened, and it was half of it by intent, and in my opinion, half of it by the the beauty of the moving target of that we call the American dream, right? which is the imperfection of the perfection of the perfection. You always have a new version of it every year. Mm -hmm. And they could not succeed in creating this. Mm. But the U.S., half of it, as I said, half of it by intention, half mm -hmm. of it by chance, mm -hmm. it was created. And now when you have an idea, there is an ecosystem here that you can go get, whether it's from venture capitals, which is from banks to get money and finance, whether it's from uh, engineering graduates or whatever the mm -hmm. field that you're in, medical grads and so on, that you can get the talent, a mm -hmm. highly capable, highly educated talent. Mm -hmm. And then of course the marketing and the sales platform because of the just the economy of scale in the United States. I mean, it is one country, but it's 50 economies, right? right to say yeah. the least. Right. Uh, in some of the states has bigger economies than big countries right. in different parts of the world. Right. This is what sometimes people tend to forget. Right. Um, California is bigger than any country in the Middle East outside Egypt. Right. Right. It is. Uh, and they have bigger economy. Right. right. So the U.S. has the right um, ecosystem, I would say, it, to go to go about this. Yeah. It's it's our conversation is not primarily about immigration, but it, what it reminds me of is in this in this dance, this beautiful uh, evolutionary dance of these materials and opportunities and infrastructure coming together, as we get people from around the world to come in, which, which my heart breaks over the current noise about immigration in the U.S. You know, there is something, my family's all Scotch, Irish, and German. My wife's family is Japanese, Scots, and Irish. We've, in, in our, and then from there, we just become the U.N., where almost every color and nation on earth is mixed into our family. Um, but somewhere in the past, our ancestors had this entrepreneurial pioneer. It's easier for people to stay home, whatever else the circumstances are, to not take a chance, to not, you know, in our past, it's indentured servants. We had family members. That's my foot. That's all right. I stick them out too far sometimes. No, no, But no, we had so people good. that indentured themselves. We have some um, former slaves uh, in our distant past and some of my um, relatives, they didn't obviously sign up to do that, but that's part of their their journey. But the people that survive these things, the people that seek them, seek out opportunity to take a chance, um, even today that seek a chance. Yeah, they want opportunity in America, but they're willing to, you know, to walk from the middle of South America to the U.S. and knowing what you're going to go through all along the way. 
That's an amazing human being that's willing to take that for a better idea, for a better opportunity, not just to get someplace and not do something. So I'm not on my immigrant high horse. I, I, didn't, I didn't have that emotion written down. But it, And then what happens is when you have those ingredients land into the infrastructure and the whatever, so many stories we hear of second generation, third generation people that are here whose parents had to sleep on the floor of their store or whatever, and their kids graduate from MIT or they graduate um, with a sociology degree from a historical black college here in the U.S. My sister-in-law came from the Caribbean and she's a physician, has her own clinic now in Houston. Just the stories of how hard they worked, how the deck was stacked against them, but they didn't care. They're like, you think it's stacked against us here? You should see where I came from as a woman on an island. This is the circumstance. And they just work. They just go about it. And then that adds to this, uh, you know, the opportunity, then they take advantage of it in a way that sometimes, you know, Native Americans that have been here for a while um, don't take advantage of. They have no idea how good they've got it. Uh, maybe I relate. Uh, I fully agree with you. I maybe I relate a little bit uh, coming uh, from uh, from uh, Egypt to here. Um, it's uh, I quote uh, a quote that I love. I've read a while ago, and it stuck with me because it's so true. And. It is not about a certain country, race, or nation. It's about circumstances, mm -hmm. and 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 it says uh, um, um, hardship creates strong men. Mm -hmm. Strong men creates good times. Mm -hmm. Good times create weak men. Mm -hmm. And when you come from a circumstances or a situation where you're only looking for the better, mm -hmm. and uh, there is nothing can, that can be worse, mm -hmm. uh, right? you have no chance to fail and you don't take anything for granted and you're not depending on the system to protect you. Right. So you you really put in the work. Now, that being said, um, and not to go into the immigration, but I have a, a very simple mathematical equation. As an as a engineer, math is, uh, right. my, math and physics are my life. Right. If you want to continue, and rightfully so, to be the number one economy and technology house and powerhouse in the world mm -hmm. as the United States. Mm -hmm. um, we're only 330 million. We do not have enough talent organically coming from engineering schools, computer science schools, technology schools, medical schools. We do not have enough production that comes out every right. year to cope with the demand and the, the, the evolution that will happen. Right. So what we need to do is we need to really attract the best of the best. Mm -hmm. That's how I see it. Mm -hmm. To continue grow our talent stack, to continue to grow our innovation and to continue keep and grow our lead on, on technology and on innovations and in economy and in medication yeah. and medicine. And, you know, I can go on and on. And with this, you need to attract, I always say, attract the best of the best. Mm -hmm. Now, how you do this, that's the government. We mm -hmm. support them and right. we trust them right. and we'll keep them accountable. Right. Uh, but that's, I think, the right way to do. And of course, the talent is not just engineers, doctors, and I mean, lawyers. I don't uh, uh, think we need lawyers from outside. <laughs> but uh, uh, it's talent across the board. It can be in farming, agriculture, you know, to grow our own food. Everything, think about it when we talk about and now. I think the at least my generation, I have seen uh, living coming from the Middle East, I've seen so many wars. Mm -hmm. So this is something uh, uh, is usual for us. Right. But 
now what the world and the new generations are realizing that there is a political instabilities that can happen anywhere in the world right. that can affect my bread, right. not just my electricity. Right. The things that you take for the most granted can be affected. So how do I create a resiliency within my territory, the things that is under our control mm-hmm. to create resiliency of agri- uh, agriculture, to create resiliency of uh, electrification, to create resiliency of oil, to create resiliency of this, of even material like the CHIP Act mm-hmm. addresses this on mm-hmm. semiconductors, which every American company has been affected mm-hmm. one way or another. How do we create internally in the in our country and in our continent in general, because I always include Mexico and Canada in this mm-hmm. particular case, to have resiliency within our uh, uh, territories mm-hmm. to be able to supply, cope, and feed this uh, this big machine that we call the American economy. Mm-hmm. It's um, boy, if we don't if we don't switch up, we're gonna we're gonna spend our whole we're time here. Spend, but yeah. but it, I would you. just one of the things I've had a theme as I've looked back over the last probably six months in particular of my podcast. And one of the things I've talked about many times, I'm not going to belabor it, is the idea as you talk about this resiliency. I've talked to people about the internet infrastructure and how we need to make sure that that's internet or uh, um, resilient uh, just in a number of ways. And it's interesting to me to see people around energy that are coming to the conversation, either they want energy independence for themselves personally. So people that maybe 10 years ago had no interest in doing solar at home or something like that because they were they thought it would affect sustainability in some way. Now they want to do it because they want to affect their electric bill and they don't want to rely on the grid. They just want to go to the grid in case of an emergency. How they got there is not a big deal to me. I'm just glad they're getting there. Other people that are how do we get energy independence so that we don't have a situation like what's happening in Germany and Europe now where if the natural gas pipeline gets turned off as a geopolitical threat or as a consequence of war or whatever, your economy is impacted in spectacular ways. We've got good friends in England that are they're looking at their electric bill and how it's changed just in the last nine months. And where they would have never thought of themselves as vulnerable, middle class, these are things that are happening there. So it's in America, anyway, to where we can affect, how do we imagine we're going to um, uh, affect the world around us, our immediate world, our the things in our continent, so that we have resiliency and redundancy, and we don't have to rely on an unstable, unstable partner that could yep. change at any moment. Yeah. So it's um, yeah, it's it's what I do every day. <laughs> And we can let's start. So I yeah, uh, yeah. I, let's have this within it. Then. Yeah, yeah. yeah let's I do like it. the topic. So how? Let's just start here. Let's just dive in. How are you using technology in in the organization that you work with? And maybe that'd be a good place to start. You know, tell us where you work and your title. But how are you guys using technology to innovate along the lines of what we're talking about? The if I look at the current megatrends that are happening around us. We have energy uh, threats Mm -hmm. uh, because of the geopolitical situations Mm -hmm. uh, all across the world. We have an ever-growing demand with companies. uh, You you guys are one of them, QTS, on data centers that are popping up like popcorn everywhere. And it's a good thing that we have. uh, It's a good problem to have. Right. Um, 
we also have an incredible change in the energy landscape because of all the electrical vehicles, e-mobility, you hear about electric trains now, you hear about electric buses. So it's not just because when you talk about EV, everybody thinks about electrical cars, right. but it's not just the cars that are right. getting electric. Your entire transportation is thinking I was uh, I was with uh, big customers of ours without mentioning names. But they do working in HVAC and they are now working on electric refrigeration trucks. Mm. Right. So exactly. Yeah. Right. Uh, my eyes went exactly like yours. I was like, I would like to get the weight on that thing. I recently <laughs> saw a conversation with somebody about how they want to transform the ag community, the yeah. agriculture, you know, all these. It's not just the um, the robotics that they want to put on them and the autonom autonomy they want in them. And the reason why they want to do that is not to displace workers. They don't have people to drive these things. They have, people have moved away from the farm. They want to go do something else. But the second part, he said that, so people are talking about the connectivity. He said what they're not really talking about is we're trying to electrify them. Like how much better would it be if I'm plugging these things into an electrical outlet instead of having to store fuel cell and manage getting um, you know fossil fuel back and forth? Again, not from a clean energy perspective, just in ease of use and all of these other reasons, you yeah. know, I, I, that's much more land than for me to use yeah. instead of storing fuel and all these other things Can, you know, and so what you guys are doing is making components to help make the grid and these devices do that. Otherwise we're, you know, the demand far outpaces the ability to deliver. It seems like, uh, yes. Um, but we do have the technology. So what we are trying to do in Schneider is to help not just the customers. We we highly ethical company. I'm so happy that I work in Schneider Electric. There is a there is a profound belief that comes from the top to everybody, every younger youngster in our company right. that thinks that we're here to make the planet a better place. Right. And so what with that essence, and I lead the innovation, the R and D, the uh, the entire innovation and manufacturing cycle for Schneider. Uh, what we're trying to do is we're trying to find solutions for our partners, customers, and the communities that we operate in, mm -hmm. and in particular in, for me in North America, to help enable what we just talked about. Mm. So while doing so, how do we make it more sustainable? Mm. And when we talk about sustainability, and I always like to 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 to, to put just a, a foundation. Yeah, uh, I'm not gonna nerd out, but uh, <laughs> that's okay. Uh, uh, to put a foundation, we're talking about what what is the industry defines as scope one to four. So, uh, and without going to the details of each scope, so sustainability is a journey, mm -hmm. but it also has different chapters within this journey, mm -hmm. right? So there is one thing is that you become sustainable in your own operation, mm. right? How do I use more renewable energy in within my facilities, energy efficient building, have a BMS inside the building, building management system, right. then have energy management system, then have them both combined together on a software so I know when I need the power, where do I need it and optimize it to the, right. to the dime, right. more or less. A, to save cost, which is by default, everything right. you do is save, saving cost but at the same time, reduce my CO2 emission. Right. The second part is my own innovations. Right. So yeah, so this has two parts for your question. The okay. first part is that I try every product and offer that you buy from Schneider, whether mm -hmm. it's a system or a transactional item, like an MCCB mm -hmm. or in like a multi-key circuit breaker or air circuit breaker, 
they are designed with sustainability in their core. Mm. So we use reusable packaging, we mm. use uh, recycled material, mm. we uh, we optimize the, the size of the copper and the metal inside to make every new version of the offer more sustainable. While, of course, in everything that we do, have to remember, we... I always say, so when people ask me, what do you do? I say, I work in electrification. And then, oh, wow. So electrify everything. I say, no, we help not just electrify, protect. Mm. So quality is of paramount importance. So Mm -hmm. whatever we do on sustainability does not jeopardize quality because at the end of the day, you're protecting a data center that costs half a billion. Right. Or a a hospital. At least. least, Exactly. Or a hospital that costs a billion or two, or an airport, or a stadium, or a commercial building, or even a small commercial building in the middle of rural America. But at the same time, there is people inside. So, So we design with sustainability. And we design to protect people. So quality and sustainability are mixed in our vision. Right. Now, you take all this and then you enable customer sustainability. So we talked about, I take, uh, for example, let's take something very common, right? A small commercial building, right? That has few stores and maybe one or two offices on top and so on. How do I enable and make it easy for the operate the facility operator or owner or investor to become sustainable but also energy resilient so Mm -hmm. we provide a solution not just a product so because everybody sustainability sometimes become it depends who you talk to of course but if you talk to the the fortune 500 they know what they need to do Mm -hmm. but if you talk to another customer they was like okay how do i really tackle this situation or this challenge and what we try to do is we try to decode it for them okay Mm -hmm. that's a system Mm -hmm. that you can go get from us Mm -hmm. and this will help you switch, use, have a battery system, take your solar panel, charge your batteries, distribute your load, mm-hmm. uh, the loads, whether, however you want the architecture, you want to have it all, all the time on the battery, mm-hmm. sure, and a backup as a utility. You want to have it multi-source, you want to have a generator, you want to have the utility, you want to have the solar system with the best, mm-hmm. and how do you switch in between and have mechanism on how to switch. So we provide, we try to decode it and provide a solution. Mm-hmm. Um, which help them not just decarbonize, mm-hmm. but also uh, be energy resilient mm. and have more uptime. And the, of course, depending on the segment, there is always a spark. Like if you talk about data center, downtime is a, a taboo. Right. Let's not just talk even right. about that. Right. right? It's it's like um, it's like talking about airplanes. And you know, look, we've got a ninety nine percent. Uh, success rate in landing. Yeah, it better be a hundred percent. I'm not getting on board. Taking <laughs> off is not as big a deal as landing, right? Yeah. And so, um, it's uh, one of the things as you're talking about this. I love the conversation about the components, but where I've always been impressed with Schneider, maybe you're getting there, so I don't mean to steal your thunder, is their commitment to helping. We're fortunate. Let me say it differently. In my organization, I have a CTO. Um, both the current CTO and the previous CTOs have always been about how do we collect data, then how do we make it, uh, how do we clean it up so that we know what we've got, then how do we make it actionable, and then how do we ingest it? In the beginning, we did that through off-the-shelf BMS systems or DSIM systems or whatever, and now we, it's a mix of that and we make our own things. What I've always admired about Schneider is they've come to organizations that may not have that level of sophistication and brought tools and systems that they can apply to themselves. Because how do you, besides just um, energy efficient components, 
but I need a system that helps me ingest the data so then I know, one, I can track how am I doing now, where can I go with this thing, how do I make incremental improvements, like my, my, um, my, I can document my journey. And I've, I've always admired you guys for your ability to, to do that, to bring those tools, not just those components to organizations, because they don't even know where to start. Like, how do I, do I just change the light bulb? Sure. That's, you know, that's important, I suppose, but I have no way to measure where I'm at on my journey. <clears throat> so it's, uh, it's funny that you say that this is actually a very insightful point because if I look and for us to have energy resiliency and decarbonization, and if I look at it like a pie chart, right, 25% of the journey is digitization. Right. Yeah. It's not just the, what, what, all what I've mentioned at the beginning, right. decarbonizing supply chain and the innovation is maybe right. 45%. Right. 25% of our global effort should be in digitization to reach the 1.5 degree trajectory. And I'm going right. to explain more okay. about the 1.5 for those who do not know. Okay. Um, and in Schneider, the, what I meant by the system, and that's a good pivot to what I wanted, where I wanted to go, it's not just to provide the solution because, again, you have to decode the software and the digital tools mm -hmm. to enable this. Right. So we have a, 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 a beautiful portfolio, if I can call it beautiful, because I see it beautiful, <laughs> uh, but I might be biased, might, right. uh, of software and digital solutions that can take you through this journey. No matter where you are in the journey, they are designed in it for its core, whether you're a consultant or the designer designing the system, mm -hmm. whether you are speaking the system, or whether you are actually operating and using the system. Mm -hmm. They are designed for in its core to decode the process and make it easier for you to A, have a digital system within your operations, whether it's, a, again, data center, building, have a, a wide portfolio. But at the same time, how to operate it and use this data, of course, in a compliant way, where uh, uh, a European company at the end of the day, mm -hmm. in a compliant way, using your data to help you, mm -hmm. right? Uh, understand what is your downtime, what are the reasons for your downtime, if, they, if there is any, how to go back up quickly, how to switch between different sources like I spoke about before, how to understand your consumption, uh, how to optimize your consumption, and so on and so forth. Mm. So... We are very big on digital. This is, I, as I said, in the uh, sustainability, mm -hmm. digitization mm -hmm. are mixed. Mm -hmm. You cannot have a full decarbonization without full digitization. Mm. They go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. And the power of data, I mean, I think you can talk about it better than me. Yeah. The power of data and how we aggregate the data and use it is extremely important in the for the next I what I like to call the new economy that is merging and then of course harnessing the power of new technology it's actually not new anymore but the technologies the buzzwords of AI artificial intelligence and machine learning right. how you ethically harness right. the power of those new platforms and technologies and really use them to optimize all the innovations and the digitizations that we go through right I, I'm curious. So we're sitting here um, having this conversation about sustainability and about um, uh, efficiency. How how did somebody like Schneider Electric, if you had said 20 years ago, this was going to be um, the idea of how do we decarbonize? How do we how do we do green energy? I don't know that that would have been um, 
as common a voice. It was certainly was efficiency. It was forever safety. Yeah. For um, that's a very good question, and uh, the answer is, if first of all, it's a culture within the company. As I said, it has been there. To be honest, I am new to Schneider, but I've been observing Schneider for the past fifteen years. Right. And Schneider has been the first ever to talk even about sustainability. Right. One of the very, 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 very first companies to talk to actually set sustainability targets. Can I just make one adjustment? I would say not. So a lot of organizations have talked. This is a global powerhouse leader in their world. And normally, this is not an infomercial for Schneider. It's not what we do on the show. But I've been so impressed that they don't just talk. They actually add governance. They add these things. And we'll talk about ESG in a minute. But it's this, it's this really interesting thing where it's not marketing language that shows up in some 90s cigarette commercial or whatever. Like they are, we are all in. We're going to publish. And... The other thing that's amazing to me is Schneider uh, German? Uh, French. French. I mean, it's Schneider is uh, used to be French, the birthplace, but now it's a global. I, there uh, is no, if you ask me where is your headquarter, I right. most probably will tell you Nashville. Right. Uh, because there is different powerhouses depending on the geography. Right. Like here in the U.S., we're 100% American. Right. Right. Uh, so there is no but nationality. There's a, there's a cultural philosophy is what I'm but getting at. But not German. Uh, right. But they, but there, so let's just say uh, French or European. But there's this culture th where they've said, look, we are going to not just talk about it. We are going to declare these are goals and we're going to work towards. I love, I would almost say they're American and they're entrepreneurial. Look, we don't know that we've got it all figured out. Many times I've seen European companies declare we're going to do something when they've got the path figured out. It feels like to me, like Shire said, look, what we know is this is our goal. This is Nirvana. This is paradise. It looks like this. And we're here. We don't know exactly how we're going to get there, but we're declaring this is our journey and we're going to do these things. It's been remarkable to me, in particular the last decade when I've been aware of it, the last four or five years, exceptional. We're moving this way and we're going we're gonna to help or drag our customers and our vendors and our world with us. Um, so where's that, where's that come from? Where's that belief system come from beyond we got to move products and services. We've got to make a profit. Um, you know, we've got to be safe and efficient. They've, they also have this culture. You embody it as well. I mean, it seems like it's attracted you to this organization. Oh, it's one was one of the main reasons. Yep. So where does it, where does this come from? How does it, how does it, or how is it, how do they, um, they got this, uh, this energy, uh, uh, to, to just move all in on this in a, in a um, I feel like in a wise way. Like they're not just, you must do. They're like, let's lead by example. So Schneider, and uh, I'm not just talking good about my company. I trust me, I've been around the block and it's not right. my first company right. to work for. Um, they embody what they say. Mm -hmm. So there is no fake uh, billboards right. in this company. Right. When uh, when you talk about sustainability and decarbonization, there is no fake billboards. Mm -hmm. When you talk about diversity and inclusion, voila, right. a guy from Egypt, Lee Schneider's biggest market and right. biggest business in the world right. in North America, right? Um, and and those values are embodied and driven and it's it usually helps. Right. And I think this is where it started. And, I hope he doesn't listen to this. <laughs> Our CEO and chairman, I've been following him for 15 years. Um, uh, and I just uh, spoke to him actually last week. Mm -hmm. 
he drives it mm-hmm. right like he's the biggest ambassador like when he gets to talk to michael mm-hmm. the first thing after you know the right. you know state of the right. union right. and the pleasantries uh is what are you doing on decarbonization right, right? second of it it's how you drive the culture with within when i think schneider did a phenomenal job mm-hmm. we have a sustainability school mm. that you as a senior leader or all your leaders actually are matrixed mm. matrix that your staff are educated on the in this sustainability school mm. it's a matrix in our success mm. right and the third part is what i call it uh, uh, enforcement via incentive mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, it is part of our compensation mm. like it's not it's not uh, oh it's optional if you do it you will get extra sun. no no mm. no you this is this is your life right right, right? this right. you're gonna get paid on this this right. is you you have to do good margin you have to do good innovation you have to help the customers the most right. and the customer experience and you have to deliver x amount of co2 savings a year right that's how you get paid right there is there is no way around it right and when you drive it like this via those three pillars so you see the leadership is convinced and educating and their biggest ambassador mm-hmm. for 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 the sustainability and to be honest diversity and inclusion is equal equal equivalently so mm-hmm. and then you have a system that you built to educate because the biggest part, the biggest challenge is that people know what they need to do right. and how to get about it, right? right? So you have the education systems and so on. And then you have it a matrix KPI for the success of the business. It is part of the success for you in your role and for your team in their role, respective mm. roles. It is not an option. It's not an ambition. And and this drove schneider electric to be the world most sustainable company for god knows how many years mm. right we we were very proud and honored to be so and does this work yes mm. i mean we are the world most sustainable company and if i look at it is it a good example to be followed for my and i was in cop 27 mm-hmm. in egypt mm-hmm. and as egyptian you know i mm. was very proud that uh, my home country is ho- uh, hosting it i If I tell you, and I'm sure you know the data, but if I say to the audience, you say all those big announcements are like just, you know, announcements. Right. Less than 8% of all the big announcements from the Fortune 3000 right. companies, right? Uh, only 8% are actually on the path to deliver what they promised. Mm-hmm. Only 8%. Yeah. Only 8%. The rest, not yet. Right. So Schneider... I think the example, and of, of course we can always better, but I think it's an example that companies should follow to drive their targets. And why this is important, because we need to keep the trajectory by 2100 uh, uh, to 1.5 degrees increase compared to the pre-industrial revolution. Otherwise, all what we are seeing here in the US, mm-hmm. I, I'm always fascinated when people say, oh, no, this is not really, I was like, I right. don't know where, which uh, comic books are you <clears throat> reading, but... Right. If I look at the data, I mean, we're both in, in Georgia today. I mean, the weather has been ridiculous. Crazy, the last right. co- Yeah, I mean, the rain is right. more like a bullet coming right. down the roof. This is not normal. Right. The tornadoes are everywhere. I mean, this week has been devastating for us here in the U.S. Right. I just read the news this morning. Devastating. Things are, they were not happening in the past. They are happening now. Climate right. change is real. Right. Um, so if we don't keep it at 1.5, the consequence will be even more severe for your kids, my kids, and everybody's kids. Right. Right. We might not see the full impact of it, but the next generations will definitely do. 
And to keep this trajectory, I think it's still feasible, but we need to act three times faster than what the pace that the globe is on today. Mm-hmm. And we need we need the commitment of not just the companies, but the governments as well. Mm-hmm. We need to really move from those big meet and greet meetings right. to actionable items. And this is where I think governments will play a big role to regulate, incentivize, and tax companies that mm-hmm. will not follow the CO2. Mm-hmm. And I think it's in on the past, even here in the US, mm-hmm. that's in the works. Mm-hmm. And after that, the commitments that all those companies, you can make a commitment, but then you're held accountable mm-hmm. from the associations and from the industries. If you promise you're going to save X amount of CO2, mm-hmm. we will somebody will have to come and measure this, right? Right, And it's not just about ECG report. And if you don't know how, I can tell you, and Schneider, Schneider did a great uh, initiative. We have an independent company mm-hmm. that is, yes, on like part of Schneider, but it's mm-hmm. not really part of Schneider. Right. They do, they can help you in your sustainability journey with your ECG report. They can help you understand your baseline CO2 emissions and what is what is it that you need to go do to decarbonize your supply chain, this and that, and so on. We, and I'm sure there is a lot, a lot more uh, in the world companies like that that can help the companies that doesn't know. But we really have to understand, measure, educate, execute. Mm. And we have to do this three times faster than all the uh, uh, lovely promises that has been made over the last decade. Why do you think they aren't doing it? Like there's all the political benefit and, and maybe even um, industry benefit. For example, in my industry, 10 years ago, eight years ago, I would get an RFP request for proposal from one of the 10 biggest uh, buyers on earth, which are, we know all their names, um, their search engines, their e-commerce, their um, cloud service platforms, all these big customers. And they would say something like, we want to see that you have some percentage of your energy source, energy buying, energy consumption. Later, they also added water and some other things to that. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, then later it was, it, so they wanted to see that we had some sort of a plan, that we're thinking about it, like what was our, how, how did we, and we had to tell a story. That was eight years ago. Now it's, if you don't have not only a plan, but executives, board level approval, if you don't have an ESG report that you're reporting on with real governance um, and and that you're not measuring it, like you have an independent third party that's coming in, in the same way that if I want to be a healthcare provider and I have HIPAA, I have auditors that come in and do an assessment, 100%. right? Usually by, by one of the big threes or mm-hmm. my books, if I'm a public company or whatever, <clears throat> you can't do business with them period. And they are our largest customers in my industry. If you are not way down the road and with real sustainable, even if, you know, we all started with PPAs, we all started with other things because that was to, to power a data center that you don't have wind or solar nearby. You've, how do I work with my local providers? I'm not saying that's where you stop. I'm just saying that you have to move along. So they incentivized us by saying, if you want to continue to do business with us, this is what you have to do. And many of our peers fell out in those early days because they um, they didn't have a story. They couldn't compete. Um, many have rallied. And so anyway, through um, financial pressure, not even the government, we, we it is, um, I would like to say our organization was forward thinking in that way. But whether it was or wasn't, I'm just talking about the industry, these financial um, 
you know, carrot or stick, depending upon how you look at it, drove innovation, drove us to work closer with our suppliers, because I don't want a generator that I can't measure the data that's not going to be efficient. And not only that, is hydrogen fuel cells an option or liquid metal battery? Like how, not just this old technology, but how are we innovating? How are we measuring? It has driven a huge um, initiatives and conversations in my organization. So there's all those advantages on why I would do it. Why do you think that only 8% or whatever the number is, it's significantly less than we would hope, aren't on board? I think, I don't think they are not on board. I get, uh, and I'm going to keep it uh, completely uh, confidential, but uh, um, I get a lot of calls from big uh, property managers, real estate directors, CTOs. It's like, Michael, um, well, my CEO went on CNBC or whatever right. <laughs> day and he said that we will be carbon negative by 2030. I was right. like, wait a minute. <laughs> uh, sure. Right. <laughs> and I have no clue what he's talking about. Turn I mean, off the I, lights. Yeah, That's I, how you can I, do all, it. All what I can, I know what to do. Right. I already have done. I right. have a BMS. I right. have uh, EMS. Right. I uh, switch the lights at a certain time. It's right. 6 p.m. in my offices. Right. I take the EC down to... Uh, to 71 uh, uh, in the summer and right. or 73 and I keep it right. on 68 uh, or 64 in the winter blah blah you know right and I'm like well that's great but right. <laughs> you know, it takes a bit more right so I think it's not their willingness or the buy-in I think it's the understanding mm. of what needs to be done and most importantly the next step is is understanding where do I stand today mm. What you can't evolve, what you can't measure, mm -hmm. and you can't, right? So first of all, you need to understand what is it that I need to go do to do, to what is sustainability? Right. What are the measurements? What is the ECG report? And beyond that, I, I can tell you, I go way beyond right. uh, that, but I'm passionate about the topic. Right. The second thing I say, okay, so this is how it's measured. This is how I can help. Now, let me understand how can I apply this in my operations. And then really calculating your, what I like to call your baseline CO2 emissions. Mm -hmm. I have X amount of gigatons or megatons, depending on the size of the operation, CO2 coming from my supply chain. Mm -hmm. I have X amount coming from my own operations. I have X amount coming from my own logistics. I have X amount and so on. Okay. Then I have a task force. Okay. On my supply chain, I'm going to work with Schneider. Mm -hmm. We, I mean, the QTS is a great example of this, mm -hmm. right? We are going to get a decarbonized uh, offer, mm -hmm. right? We are going to get, uh, they are also going to help us with our sustainability and ECG reporting, right? Right. So that's one thing. The second thing is now, how can I implement the Schneider technology mm -hmm. within my operations, like in a data center mm -hmm. uh, um, and a building like this beautiful building that we're in today, mm -hmm. and then make this building energy efficient, harness the power of sun, mm -hmm. store my energy on a battery mm -hmm. for all the loads that are not necessary. I will depend on the utility. Mm -hmm. But what it also does for you, what people tend to forget, which is the third element where I think companies are still, they were not at the same speed, mm -hmm. and I think they should, mm -hmm. is f there is a false conception and understanding that in that, sustainability is expensive and the payback is low. Mm -hmm. Reality is what we have proven. And I, I mean, again, I'm maybe just a nerd. Mm -hmm. The mass actually works mm -hmm. because between 
when you, for instance, reduce sustainability on your supply chain and on your manufacturing process, you're actually reducing the usage of cardboards. Right. Just take the cardboards. Right. If I use reusable packaging, customer will get the uh, the panel board, the switch gear, the MCCB, get it right. in a, a box right. that you take the breaker out or the gear out. Right. Then you fold the box back and you ship it back to me. Right. Well, what is the problem? No problem. Yeah. Exactly my point. Right. You know how much we saved? A ton right. of, of CO2. Right. You know what more? We created the circular economy. Right. right? I'm Which also is- not filling my landfill. I mean, I you know, just practically, I'm not throwing it in a dumpster to go in my landfill. I'm 100%. sending it back. And that's what I'm, I mean, there is only benefits. So don't tell me that it, the math doesn't work. The right. math does work. And I just took the smallest, simplest example. Right. When you design a, a, a switch gear, like what we have, mm-hmm. or a, and a panel board or a switchboard, like we have done a phenomenal innovation called Flexit, mm-hmm. right? Which uses 25% less material overall, especially copper, mm-hmm. than it's, any equivalent in the market, mm-hmm. 25% less. Mm. That's a CO2 saving. Right. That's a space saving. Right. But it's also, it's yes, the innovation costed some money, but the payback will come because right. we're using less material. So if you think about all this combined, the mass worked. So if you, what I think what 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 needs to be done now, work with companies, of course, I would love that everybody comes to Schneider, I think mm-hmm. is the right company to do so, but come to people like us. Mm-hmm. If you don't know where you are in your journey, and we will help you through the journey, have an independent business that is not biased, you can mm-hmm. go buy whatever you want from mm-hmm. the outcome right. that can help you understand your baseline and your sustainability and do the ECG. Then we have businesses like mine, if we have uh, an offers that can help you decarbonize your and so, so the mix of everything, so education, implementation and measurement. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what they face the most, that we are not, not everybody is like you that have done the homework, read all about it, worked in it. I think we need to take them with us. Right. And I think that is also what Schneider sees as part of our moral and social responsibility is how do we educate more our partners on their sustainability. I can tell you for right now, I'm running a project, a massive project, I have 1,000 suppliers in the U.S. that mm-hmm. I want to go, suppliers, they supply to me, mm-hmm. that I'm going to decarbonize their operations. Mm-hmm. And because they are small business, sometimes even family-owned, sometimes other mm-hmm. corporate-owned, and but they don't know how to do it, we're going to go help them do it. Mm-hmm. Because, But that's a, the moral responsibility, right? This is, we are really committed. And I think once you reach that level, those companies will have to buy in. Now, I hope... I hope it was not just speeches. When I was in COP and I uh, had the pleasure in attending working sessions and panels with John Kerry, with the Secretary General of the United Nations, I think what I am witnessed, I think by next year, there will be regulations to hold companies accountable and have targets. Mm-hmm. It's no longer going to be, okay, take your time and learn. No, 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 my friend. Right. Is just, Right, you have to deliver this next year. Right, and then it will hit the PNL very hard if the companies do not adjust. Right, because the, you know, it's gonna be a fine or right. it's gonna be a ta- carbon tax like Europe are talking about. Right, um, and so on. Or the very least, uh, many businesses rely directly or indirectly on some government agency, state, local, county, federal, whatever. <laughs> At the very least, it will be look. You can't do business with us if you don't have you know, whatever it is that they determine some measurement here. I know, you know, in our journey, 
we had sort of a number of things sort of come together. One was, as I said, these customers saying, get on the path. And we felt like there's an opportunity for us. It's just a, it'd be wonderful if it was just because our heart said so, or because, um, you know, we believed all the science or whatever. It was a financial decision. We felt like here's a real opportunity for us to take advantage. That was a leg. The second leg was we have a leader in that group who had been managing data centers for a while, that this was a passion of that person's. It just makes sense for all of these, um, all of these environmental and generational reasons. So I've got the fiscal perspective and I've got this. And he brought that story together to our board, to our CEO and our board, and made this appeal and said, look, the people that we want to do business, this is their philosophy. Mm-hmm. This is what we should be thinking about, in my opinion, with respect. And he didn't denigrate anybody. He said, it didn't, you know, if you don't think like this, you're a bad human being. Or, or why is the earth warming, whether it's uh, man-made or not man-made, did not wade into those conversations very heavily. He just kept it focused on this is why morally and fiscally we should pursue this. And the board said, okay, let's do it. When the when you have executive level buy-in, like you described with your CEO, all of a sudden now, and I'm not saying they just said you have an unlimited budget, that's not what happens, but it allows the innovation engine to explode and you it helps you to move through the internal bureaucracy, especially if well, we're not a Fortune 1000, we are a pretty large um, company in our space. And those were some of the paths that, and when we get buy-in from the from our leadership and and permission to move ahead, we exploded in our in our innovation. We now do an ESG and have for years. So anyway, I think I feel like that's part of the uh, the solution. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, as I said, it's it's not one single thing that you need to go do. Right. Uh, as we said, I I always like to look at it as uh, you know in as a, a pillars or a pie chart. Both works. Right. You have to learn, you have to implement, you have to digitize, mm-hmm. and you have to measure. Yeah. Without those together, it won't work. Of course, the percentage is different. And I, I, I was actually, somebody was really surprised when I said digitization is 25%. And I said, well, here's why. Right. If you don't, how you will measure, how right. you will measure your baseline, right. how you will measure your execution, right. and how you're going to measure the new results, right. and how you will connect it to understand how the data works together. Right. So digitizations play a big role on, in, in this. Um, and I think we're just uh, starting. And uh, I really hope, uh, my biggest wish is that we really keep uh, keep the trajectory and save, I mean, uh, Usually humans find a way, so let's just hope that we will find a way to make it happen. Um, How do you determine what you're going to innovate on? So you're you're you have all of this opportunity. You have a field in front of you. Mm-hmm. You only have, even if it's Schneider, you only have so many resources. You have a budget. You have Absolutely. a certain number of people. You know the biggest challenge with supply chain is people in the right with the right mind with the yep. right skill. How do you determine we're going to innovate in this particular area and we're going to focus our resources like this? That's actually, I, I like the question a lot. How I personally go about it and within the company as well. Yeah, I like to look at what are the most strategical pillars of importance for the economy where I <clears throat> operate. So for instance, if I look at the US, I look at uh, data centers, I look at semiconductor, with the announcement of 23,000 plants are being opened. Right. 
which is an astronomical number, right? right? Um, I look at, uh, of course, the U.S., which is the engine of the U.S. economy, the small, uh, small and medium-sized commercial buildings. Right. And then I look at what are the biggest challenges for those segments, or call it verticals, mm-hmm. right? So in data centers, we need to work more on uh, energy resiliency, uh, heat dissipation, mm-hmm. and heat losses, mm-hmm. uh, uh, alternative power sources, right? And then these, do I need the DC technology in it? No, I don't need the, what would be the options and so on. Right. So that's the area that I should innovate in because mm-hmm. apparently the market is there. Mm-hmm. So I will get my ROI. Right. They use an extensive amount of power, mm-hmm. which means they need us. Mm-hmm. Most importantly, it means that they need help with the decarbonization because you know power is the most related equation to deca- to carbon. Right. And then, of course, we have the right solution for this. And then I look at the semiconductor where they will have a struggle with the utilities or battery plants, for instance, right. where they have a struggle. There is no enough utilities in the U.S. to build 32 or 23, sorry, 23,000 semiconductor plants, right? right? So how do I help them depend on renewable energy, have the what I call decode the electrification for them, give them a system that can actually help them harness the power of their solar and PVC, put it in the battery, isolate it from the grid, distribute it to the loads that they are of a criticals or they need it to be on 24 seven mm-hmm. and then depend on the utility even on a different portion or only in emergencies and have a generator on mm-hmm. which helps them you know offset the lack that or the gap that they will have from the utility then I look at the immobility and the, all the infrastructure of chargers that has to be built across America and each charger is just the face. Right. You need a ton of gear that right. goes with that charger. Right. Uh, the, actually, funny enough, the charger is the cheapest part. Right. Uh, uh, the infrastructure that goes around. And then I think all those verticals, I'm not going to go through everything I can go for hours. Right. But those are then the areas where I need to help the partners and my customers. Uh, and I need to find a solution, a plug and play that is decarbonized and also digital. Mm-hmm. And then here you talk, we, you will fe- hear me um, in most of my innovations, I talk about native connectivity, mm. um, data aggregation. Um, and, and what do I mean by this? That we really give you out a plug and play solution mm. that is not just, hey, plug those cables in the incoming and then you're good. Right. No, it's actually completely digital as well. You will have a software access that will give you a dashboard and you don't have to do anything except just signing in. Right. And so de- decoding the whole system for them. And 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 you take this across all the verticals that I spoke about. And that's how I do my prioritization, you know, with the little that I have. Uh, yeah. uh, 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 my boss would disagree. Uh, uh, no, we have enough. But um, with what I have to go about innovation, right? right? That's a part. The second part is what I like to call innovation for the targeted innovation. So for instance, if I have any inefficiency in my processes, whether it's on decarbonization or just material, or I want to improve something, this is of course another another focus area of me and my team where we continuously improve the offers that are already in the market do alterations, better it day by day, innovate on the new on the software, have a new library in the software that right. actually addresses, because the more you work with the partners and the customers, I don't like to call in customers because right. we don't work with customers, we work right. with partners. They they need a new, they have a new requirement or they have faced a new challenge and oh, well, actually we can help. 
right. let me do this uh, and it's usually a software issue. So this is another focus area for us that we continue to innovate. Last but not least is what we call innovation for sustainability. Mm. Is even on the existing offers that have been designed uh, uh, a few years ago or and so on, how, now with the new technologies that evolve every day, can I decarbonize them even more? Mm-hmm. Can I can I can I uh, make it better? Can I migrate it to a new platform from the new innovations that I'm working on that is more sustainable? So those are like the main three criterias when I map where do I need to put my resources next year. Usually, what I look at like where I take the biggest bits on the biggest uh, pockets, mm-hmm. right? And I go data centers. We're all in. That's mm-hmm. what we're gonna do. E-mobility. That's what we're gonna do. So, and I have different teams that focus on the different verticals and then they are harmonized with my CTO that they, we have uh, the same, we're not, uh, uh, that we are not working in silos. So if we're using one technology platform, that's across the board. And then um, um, just go about it. And right. I, I think we've been successful. If I look at uh, uh, all what we've been doing globally, of course, and in North America, we've been addressing uh, the right segments at the right time. Of course, we're faced with challenges uh, like everybody, with shortages in semiconductor, mm-hmm. uh, labor shortages and so on. But I think Schneider has done a phenomenal work optimizing their supply chain. And as Gartner, they are one of the best supply chains in the world, the Schneider Electrics as well. I, <clears throat> well, we only have a little bit more time. Otherwise, there's like 10 things I would go there. But I, I mean, I'm curious about this. In my world, we talk a lot about, um, and with a lot of my guests, we talk a lot about uh, this topic. I mean, we talk about uh, um, energy a lot. I'm wondering, in your role, do you get the opportunity to talk to any of the um, power generators, power providers? And here's why I ask that. We've had a number of people come on and they talk about um, it's n- it isn't always a power generation challenge many times the biggest challenge is distribution to get power from wherever it or however it's generated to the end user whether that's a a large data center or Mm -hmm. individual or whatever and so there's conversation uh, i would love to get an electric car and somebody was talking to me recently who drives an electric car and said if everybody in my neighborhood got an electric car my transformers would all blow up like we we have this a distribution challenge. And so we've got those challenges. Um, more and more people are like, look, where solar makes sense, let's do solar. But not every part of the U.S. makes sense for solar. Where hydro or um, we have the opportunity, of course, what an amazing source. There are parts of the U.S. coast, even middle America, that can do wind well. Um, but there are other parts that don't. And so now I haven't heard people before the last two years really talking about nuclear energy. Now, nuclear energy is back in the conversation. What does that look like? Is it fair to have that conversation? So in your role, are you able to come, are you invited to come and sit down at some of or all of these conversations, whether it's in the distribution or the generation, um, to help shape the philosophy and the direction of how should we tackle this at these points um, in the energy life cycle, not just consumers like us who are taking your products and services, digitizing our environments, um, et cetera. And I, I apologize. We, we haven't set up any of these questions. So no, no, I, I love I'm it. I'm curious uh, how, when you think about that, are you invited to those uh, conversations? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And let's hear. 
So yes, the short answer. I okay. mean, uh, we have a responsibility as Schneider Electric and Square D in the United States because we are the mar- North America in general. Right. We are the market leader right. right? in almost all categories that we operate in. With that being said, yes, we work with organizations like uh, the uh, International Building Council. We work with the Department of Energy. We work with the U.S. Chamber, uh, you know, because a, a lot of regulations come from there. And then we work with utilities and universities mm. and research associations and even certification bodies like the UL. We have a fantastic partnership with the UL where we bring everybody together and say, hey, those are the things that are on the table. This mm-hmm. is new. Mm-hmm. This is not in any of your textbooks. Mm-hmm. Those are the pros and cons. And then we have this healthy debate. Mm-hmm. And then the um, we help navigate the discussion mm-hmm. uh, and facilitate the discussion because we are a manufacturer. So we know, okay, this is a great idea, but it can never be industrialized, right? right? Uh, or it, it will never make, uh, it will not make economy of scale. Mm-hmm. Or this is a great technology, let's all take bids on it and do something disruptive. Mm -hmm. And then, hey, Mr. UL, Mm -hmm. uh, 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 um, can you come and help us write a a specific certification test on how do we test this? And Mm -hmm. then work with the NEC, the the code, the Mm -hmm. National Electrical Code, Mm -hmm. and have it in the code because you have to regulate. Again, everything is around safety and quality. Mm -hmm. So we it's not just we we it's not just we're working with uh, uh utilities we were it's a big ecosystem like you mm-hmm. and I before we started to record right. it's a massive ecosystem um uh between uh government bodies uh energy associations certifications uh testing and of course us as a manufacturer mm-hmm. and then uh, as as a governor we always have the the codes and standards you know, because everything has to be regulated because otherwise, like you and I spoke before, it would mm-hmm. be a fiasco mm-hmm. of things going around. So how do we make sure that whatever we're doing is safe? Mm-hmm. Number one is mm-hmm. safety. Mm-hmm. Then uh, it adds value. And uh, now on the topic of nuclear versus renewable uh, versus uh, or solar in particular versus wind, I think there will be the the perfect answer it will be the sum of all mm. it will not be one versus the other i usually i was delighted and i read all the publications at least so far that they made it public on the new fusion um and i think it's phenomenal i think it has a path there is a potential mm-hmm. but from now till then it's gonna take some time mm-hmm. so what i mean by this we have to focus on what we have proven right now mm-hmm. And what we have proven right now is that solar works, wind works, let's harness it more. We're not doing enough. Mm. If I compare us compared to uh, Europe or China, we're still behind, mm-hmm. right? Uh, um, so how do we really, really harness the power more? Why do you think we're behind? Is it, and let me ask, in, let just me... in terms of numbers, right? If, uh, if I look at, uh, uh, and don't catch me on my numbers it might need it's to an be estimate validated. you don't have yes, a computer in front of you yeah, right. i don't have anything because right. i want to be for, you know when i talk i don't right. like to That's be distracted okay. yeah uh i'm uh, uh this I'm, is not one of your kpis yeah so. this is one of i have i'm a one box guy <laughs> if i'm talking to you that's what i do um um china does around 30 to 40 percent of their at least on the building side mm-hmm. of their energy from solar mm-hmm. we, we're nowhere near that yet right we do we have the technology absolutely we can we go do it yes absolutely it's just the curve of implementation 
for example, if I look at most of the United States, if I talk about the residential application, solar has been in some countries even is not an option. Mm, right. Right. If you talk about the Netherlands, uh, France was yeah. one of the b- biggest leaders, Germany. Right. You go in every top of every house. Right. There is a solar panels. We're not there. And that's what I meant. We're not there. Mm. We're actually lacking behind. Mm. We're not lacking behind from technology or know how. Mm-hmm. We might actually have the best. Right. <laughs> right. right. Not might. But uh, we're lacking behind in terms of deployment. Right. right? How the scale of right. what we can deliver. Also, if I look at wind energy. Right. Uh, and then there is big announcements that came, for instance, from a small country like Egypt. Mm-hmm. In COP27, they said, we are going to have by 2030 or 35, I don't recall exactly, but they want to have 40% of the entire power generation comes from solar. Mm. That's a big number. And guess what? They actually showed that they have the money to go do it. Right. And the U.S. supported by half a billion because right. they are a par- an ally and a partner of the U.S. So right. there is trade agreements there. And and if you see a US sponsored a two billion dollar investment in in Southern Africa mm-hmm. for also the usage of renewable energy, and so can we do this even more at home? Right. And can we deploy it more? And I think that the simple answer is everybody's willing. And now you will see this uh, uh, evolution. I think also Schneider is empowering a lot of those discussions because if I look at uh, and I don't lead this business, what we call home. Uh, the home and the residential applications that we have in Schneider. And again, it's a market leader in North America. And with the new ECC, which is Energy uh, Control Center that they have made for homes mm-hmm. that actually specifically designed for this. Mm-hmm. It helps you harness the power of your uh, panel, charge your car mm-hmm. while running your home. Right. Right. And not have this load on the grid. And how do you uh, distribute your load at what times and so on. So... um I agree with you. It's but how I look at it, it's not. It's not a. Perf- I don't have a perfect answer right. or a perfect recipe. We have to use wind when wind is on uh, the bigger option. Right. We have to use solar when solar is an option, and then we in the future. I think with the the very positive uh, uh, news that we all read uh, on the uh, on the fusion on the nuclear energy, then it is gonna be an option. I have no. Nuclear energy has been there forever. Right. The problem with nuclear energy is the waste and the danger if somebody is not 100% right. or if the reactor is not 100% secured. Right. And we all know that there is never 100%. Right. With the new fusion, story starts to differentiate. Right. And I think as we grow our technology, I think it will become safer and safer and safer by time. Yeah. I'm not sophisticated enough yet on the nuclear conversation to dive in there. I'm I'm trying to get myself educated. I, I find that people are, it's coming up more and more and more. But where I wanted to go was my children, my wife is half Japanese. My children love the Japanese culture and the Korean culture. And we had a conversation a few months ago, maybe back in the summer. Uh, one of my daughters, um, she's minoring in Korean while she goes to school. and it's kind of a flippant comment. And I, I look, I love, uh, we're looking forward to going to South Korea, but she said, you know, the U S needs to be more like South Korea in our, um, healthcare. They have universal internet, hundred percent coverage, and they have a public transportation system that looks like this. And I said, but Korea is the size of Kentucky. Like they're, I'm not dis great. That's fantastic. We have the Sierra mountains. We have the Rocky mountains and I'm not trying to make excuses. Like I genuinely, we, I have coasts that look like this. I have, you know, we have complexity of size. We are blessed. Our as a as a where we are on our continent on Earth, 
I don't know of very many places, I can't think of one off the top of my head that have the benefit, not just of a um, governmental and a reg regulatory infrastructure that as we started off the conversation that promotes entrepreneurship, but we have so many resources. We have so many things. It's, it's, a, it's a lavish, ridiculous amount of blessings in every way, but it also brings complexity. And so I just, I'm thinking about in terms of to get to, for example, like Egypt, 40%. I don't know. I've never been. Um, they are obviously remarkable engineers, not just your capability of running a North American office, but pretty sure there's buildings that have been there for somewhere between five and 15,000 years. And we'll probably continue to adjust as we get better tools to measurement uh, measure. They've been part of the world stage since people called themselves Egypt. Um, but they have a lot of space, it seems like, and a lot of uh, environmental conditions where solar for them, maybe that is the, right is the right option and works. All I mean, and again, I'm not trying to give ourselves excuse. I don't know. I don't know the answer for this. But it seems like there's complexity of set regulation or aside that we have these 50 states with their own complexity. I just mean in terms of topography and opportunity that it is a – is that – while it should always be the goal, it should always be something that we're pressing for. You know, we don't dump oil, for example, in our backyard anymore, motor oil. Why? Because it destroys the local aquifer. It's not just for you. It's not just because it's regulation. It's because, oh, I don't know. I want don't want the creek behind my house to catch on fire. Like we don't, we don't do that anymore. And I want to be able to have safe, healthy drinking water. We don't let people just pile up garbage in their backyard. They've got to send it off to a landfill. We've got to do things responsibly. So we've managed through complexity, but it seems like it is a complex thing. It's And so I get anxious, the libertarian in me gets anxious when I say, when, when I hear this country or this state, Tennessee's doing it like this. Why can't Iowa do it like this? Or Iowa's doing wind farms like this. Why can't, well, because the jet stream there goes like this. Again, as a person that's just getting familiar where I'm all in on there is no doubt there's a consequence and some percent, either we're the primary cause or we're a contributing cause, uh, human beings are contributing to climate change in some way, in addition to pollution with plastics and all this other stuff. Is it, how do we pursue this goal whole, wholeheartedly without trying to take something that fits one geographical location and applying it to another without unintended consequences. It's actually, um, <laughs> you you already answered it uh, <laughs> while you're, uh, you're questioning. But um, listen, uh, the way I look at it is very simple. I don't, while I used, uh, and I said we are compared to other countries, we're not yet there. <clears throat> yeah. I did not mean also that we are, that we should compare Apple like one-to-one -one because right. the, the comparison is exactly like you said, we're comparing bananas to guacamole or something, <laughs> right? Uh, um, that we have to remember the size of North America and right. the United States in particular. That's number one. Right. Number two, we also have to remember the complexity mm -hmm. of the geography. Now, that being said, we also do not have to forget the 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 in one of its kind uh, uh, economical, entrepreneurial, uh, innovative, diverse ecosystem that we live in. Right. Um, so 
we have everything that we need to go do the right thing. And uh, I like quotes, I uh, like Winston Churchill's quote when he said, you can always depend on American to do the right thing when they run out of all other options. And I think we ran off all of other options, so we're on the right track now. But this goes back to my earlier answer when you said, well, Iowa has this and uh, and uh, Kentucky has right, this and right. Tennessee has that. Right. And then my earlier comment when I said that the, the perfect answer is the sum of all. Right. We, I think what we need to do more, and I think it's being done, but we need to do it more and more, is the sharing best practices between what California is doing, what Texas is doing, what Georgia is doing, what Tennessee is doing, what New York is going to do. Uh, share the best practices and every and each state because of the difference in geography. Mm -hmm. Again, people do not realize how big the country is mm -hmm. uh, and the difference in the landscape right. between New York and Georgia. Right. I mean, it's like you're, you traveled. It's so, like two different countries. It is. Right. It is. And not just because of the regulations, actually the, the landscape, <sighs> the color of the, everything right. is different. Right. right. And, and so really sharing those best practices and have governing boards that, forces the adaption rate a little bit on states over others. I think that will help a lot. You always have uh, states like California where they want to try everything right. and they want to go for everything for board. Right. Um, and then you have more cautious states. And I think it's a healthy balance between both. Right. Not too cautious and not too optimistic, right? right? And then have mechanisms to deploy. Right. Um, I was speaking to somebody from uh, um, uh, the uh, the uh, Council for Green Energy, mm. um, and uh, I, another person from the uh, Council for Sustainable Energy, and they work very close together. And I can tell you, for instance, with all this government money uh, that is going into sustainability incentives, for example, in California, mm -hmm. they spent zero. Mm. You know why? Why? Because people didn't know how to do the paperwork. It's the <laughs> silliest thing. When I heard this, I started to know, you know, yeah. knock on the... Uh, <laughs> You know, my head on the disc and, 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 and <laughs> yes, I know it's ridiculous, but it is also that means that how it is important to build infrastructure and not infrastructure. I'm not talking about the grid. I'm talking about knowledge infrastructure and digital systems that you go to a website, you fill in your data, paperwork is done. Right. Right. Take teach the people. I think the willingness is there. Mm -hmm. I think everybody now understands what needs to be done. I think what we need to all collectively as a society, as a country, as an industry, as an economy, as everything, we need to collectively simplify it and decode it, right? And make it uh, 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 available for everyone. Uh, I like, I, I remember that no, they don't exist anymore, I, but you and I, I think we are uh, mature enough yeah. to remember. You remember back in the day when you used to travel through airports and you would say Spanish for dummies or right, this. Right, or, right. And I, I, I don't like to use the same, but really have a textbook. Right. I'm not talking about textbook, textbook, but right. metaphorically, right. that decodes it for small business owners, that decodes it for big corporations, that decodes it for data centers. And that's what, for example, that we're trying to do in Schneider. But right. I think the biggest, the biggest thing is the learning and the sharing and the understanding. The willingness, I think it's already there. And the benefit is important because this is the new wave. This is the new thing. Right. I mean, it creates a massive amount of opportunities for us as a country, as the economy, and, and Canada and Mexico included. It creates a, a new energy landscape because 
the energy as we know it is going to change. Right. It creates also an advantage edge to the United States in particular, because if you take the lead there, the whole you're again a technology leader in the world, and then you have opportunities for exporting, sharing, and so on. So right. it's 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 full of opportunities. That's uh, maybe the right way to say. It. Yeah, I I um. Th- I didn't know that I would always say this, but I first fell in love, at least uh, to a degree, with the French when I saw the movie The Patriot and they came to our rescue from the uh, from the Redcoats. Um, my scuba diver instructor is French, um, and I love the French in spite of him as much as i just teasing. He's a wonderful human being. But one of the things I think is really interesting, and you know, this is a corporate podcast, so we're not going to dive into geopolitics except for to say... His comment to me about what's going on in Europe, he's like, look, France, you know, they um, they have lean f- energy independence is a big deal to them. And they are they are you've talked about solar. They've got a variety of methodologies that they are employing because they do not want to be vulnerable. And what I keep trying to appeal to people around me is at the very minimum, regardless of you think um the climate changing, the the degree percentage, whether that interests you or not, whether you get into that or not, countries outside ourselves get to in, get to impact us in in a negative way. Get to get to uh, apply pressure if we don't have energy independence, and we need to have energy. In my opinion, we need to be as independent as possible, and that energy, in my opinion, should be as clean as possible for all the reasons we've talked about here. Um, and it seems common sense to me in the same way I was trying to explain this to somebody. You don't you don't just pile up garbage and burn it in your backyard anymore. Why? Because it's not healthy. It stinks. It decreases the value. I mean, there's a million ways we can talk about this besides it's just unsafe and the sanitary reasons. It's unsightly. Like all of these things, you don't do that. So once upon a time, we had to convince population here in America not to do that. And we had to build out an infrastructure and there was a cost to do it and agree on what we're going to do and how we're going to do it and how we're going to dispose of waste. You can't just throw paint in there or gasoline. You have to go out of your way to dispose of those things. Why? Because it destroys our children or our grandchildren in a very real way. They're going to get disease and these other things. And so whatever your motivation is, just get into the conversation, bring your genuine self and have it. And if the idea that even the ideas that we've presented here today, they don't resonate with, well then debate them. Don't, don't do it in a, you know, an attacking way, get educated and debate them. And the right idea will find out, will work itself out, but to not have any conversation, to stick your head in the ground and ignore it. Cause that's the way we always did it. Well, I for sure would say that's not the American way, and that's probably not a very wise way to approach it. 100%. Energy resiliency is going to be the hottest topic, in my opinion, Mm. in the next 10 years. Yeah. And while we are more dependent than others, we're not independent enough. Right. And the easiest way, easiest solution for energy independence is is all what we talked about here today. Mm Mm-hmm. Think about we um, before the recording, or I think uh, yeah. we talked about the farming, right? Right, uh, and then a while ago we spoke about how you decarbonize even the contractor, the tractors, and so on within the farm. Right. Think about the farm that in a rural area and there is no utility connection, and now they are running on a generator, but they still need to go get fossil fuel, right. gas, pump it, whatever the generator works on. Think about if they have a, a, a small um, microgrid. Mm. 
they have a microgrid. Right. They they generate their own electricity and they run their own electricity and they need nothing from no one. Right. And they do no harm to the world around them. And they do no harm, right. particularly for their corp. I right. mean, of CO2, an extensive amount of uh, 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 CO2, no matter what the agriculture uh, uh, industry that you're in, is highly not recommended, right. Right? right? So you are decarbonizing your entire energy, you're independing your entire energy, and guess what? It pays off quite fast. Yeah. And then, depending on the size, he can actually charge at night when he's not using all this energy. He can charge his con- tra- uh, tractors again. He can charge all his, you know, I don't know, whatever equipment they use. I don't want to go through the right. bits and bytes of it. And they are completely independent. Right. He only needs to leave the farm for that matter, either to sell or receive or get something else. But energy is off the table. Right. So, uh, and then you're also electrifying the rural area. For instance, uh, the universal, like you spoke earlier about universal internet, Again, American ingenuity. Mm-hmm. We said different companies mm-hmm. have launched satellites. Mm-hmm. And if you have the subscription, you have it everywhere. Right. Uh, right. I don't think we have a, a network or a, a issue in the U.S. And But in, with the same concept, you're trying to solve the problem. Right. And it's not just you're solving, you're solving for energy independence, but you're helping decarbonization. You're helping, you're helping, you're helping. Right. And you're increasing productivity because you have less downtime to so when right. it runs, you have to stop it and you have to put gas and you have to go buy gas. And 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 so just a simple example, uh, a, a small microgrid, a small microgrid in a building, even right. in a city like this. You know what? I don't need utility. I'm good. Right. Right. I we have we have everything. Yeah. We for the first time in the human history. Since we started to understand climate change. Right. And the whole energy situation. We understand what the problem is to its bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. We know how to solve it, mm-hmm. and we have the technology to do so. Mm. That's a massive responsibility on all of us, um, and it makes good money, right? It does make good money, and it does make good sense. So you're like, I don't see. Give me. I always say, okay, give me one scientific or good reason, or like prove me wrong, right? That it's not the right thing to do, right? It reminds me of, um, and I've got a question for you, and kind of as we wrap up, and it is, um, once we learn what actually bacteria and germs were, in the beginning, people were like, this is not true. Like, this is witchcraft. You know, it's not whatever. You can't see it. You can't measure it. It's not true. But we saw the consequences of it. We saw the consequences of poor hygiene. We saw all the, the consequences. <clears throat> There's a famous story about um, in London how these women in for for a period of time in a part of london after they gave birth many of them high percentage 70% of them were dying they would die right after childbirth they just couldn't understand it upon an investigation a few later in years in what they realized was these very capable physicians were not sanitizing their hands afterwards they would they would go into the next surgery or into the next thing and so they were in, introducing infection into um the people that they were serving and they didn't have any intention to, you know, they were there to save life and deliver babies and whatever. As soon as they realized that and they fixed that, um, birth rate, Scott, you know, 98, 99% success rate, um, for birth rate for the mother afterwards. 
my hope is, is that whatever the reason, like who doesn't want a better employee, who doesn't want a, a healthier child or a healthier spouse, who doesn't want a better life for themselves, who doesn't want any of these things, whatever your motivation is, get involved in the conversation. Uh, what have we not talked about? We've talked about a lot. Uh, we're constrained by time and responsibilities outside of this studio. What haven't we talked about, if anything, that you want to make sure we uh, talk about before we wrap up? Um, I think we, you're right. We talked about a lot. Uh, maybe um, I leave you with a, with a, a powerful uh, and hopeful statement. Okay. We live in a phenomenal time. Despite all what's going on, this mm -hmm. is a fantastic time. Yeah. Because we have a luxurious problem. Mm -hmm. You know what it is? We have demand. We have technology. We have people. We have money in the economy. And we can do everything we want. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a paradox, and I quote our North American CEO in saying that, because you're trying to do all the right things with the resources that we have right now and the challenges that we have right now. And how do you manage to grow? And I mean, we see the next two, two to three years in the U.S. is just that it's going to continue to climb. Mm -hmm. Um, the demand, data centers, and again, e-mobility, semiconductors, battery plants, EV, expanding their operations in the, in the U.S. And I mean, the list goes on. We need to collectively work together uh, to decarbonize, electrify, and digitize. Mm -hmm. The bu big buzzwords like Industry 4.0, Electricity 4.0, and decarbonization are no longer buzzwords. Mm -hmm. Industry 4.0 is real. Having a fully automated and autonomous, in some cases, uh, production lines that has incredible amount of productivity, that they are digitally enabled and connected, obviously, and they decarbonize your manufacturing process is, is not a dream of tomorrow. Mm -hmm. It is actually a, a fact of today. Mm -hmm. It's a realization. We can go drive this more. Mm -hmm. Electricity 4.0, and I said, as I said, if you look at your own operations, uh, a mix between DC and AC, uh, you need the battery systems. We're talking about hydrogen cells. We're talking about all different types of power supplies. We do we we talk about these things because those technologies are available and deployable today. Right. So the new energy landscape, which is electricity 4.0, it's something that is not gonna. It's we're still gonna figure it out. We know what we need to do. We know we have the technology to go and do it right now. So we live in a phenomenal time. I am very, very optimistic about the future of our uh, economy, of our industry, and of our company in particular. I think we have the right tools. I think we have the right talent. We have the right hearts mm -hmm. to go do the right thing. And uh, um, you know what? We're not going to give up until it's done. If somebody's not familiar with one or two of the big ideas, and, and by that I mean... Like they've, they've heard on, in some areas, people, you know, the sky is falling in other areas, um, like all, all of the, all of the hype, but if they really want to, in a safe way, learn more about why this topic should be of interest to them, do you have a primer or a website or an idea or a YouTube video or something that you would direct them to, to just kind of give them an introduction to why this conversation matters and how, how they can start on their journey on self-education? Right. Um, absolutely. Yes. I mean, 
one of the things that I learned a lot from is our own Schneider uh, 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 web page for sustainability. Okay. And then the, our sustainability business. So okay. if you talk about decarbonization, baseline, what's scope one, what's scope two, what's scope three, what's scope three upstream, what's scope three downstream. Right. And you want to learn into the bits and bytes. We have all the resources available and uh, I highly encourage it's very, very helpful. Okay. Second, if you are struggling to find the right solution, just reach out to us. I mean, mm. we have people all over the country. Reach out to somebody that knows or how how it's done or right. you've done it before, and we will be more than happy to help you. And at the end of the day, it's your decision. Mm. Um, uh, but uh, I think the Schneider website and the sustainability business website would be of a great help on the decarbonization. Now in the new innovations and what we've been up to, and mm -hmm. we've been up to a lot, mm -hmm. uh, we have had a, a fantastic year. We got many awards for almost all our innovations mm. uh, from safety, like something like ArcBlock that uh, protects from the um, ArcFlash uh, to Flexset, which is uh, one of its kind uh, uh, innovations that we've released. Uh, if reach out to me personally or reach out to any of our teams go to the website send us a note and trust me we will get back to you we'll explain everything and we're gonna help you it's a great place to end it we'll make sure we include links to all of those things michael latvi thanks for coming on the show today thank you for having me this has been really phenomenal before the podcast and after you make uh, uh, i love the discussion i love your depths of knowledge uh into the all different topics so uh it was my pleasure. QTS is one of our most important partners. I'm happy to help. I'm happy to be here and I'm happy to work with you. Excellent. Well, we'll have you back on uh, in the next year or so. And uh, let's talk about where we're going. Thank Absolutely. you, sir. Absolutely. It would be my pleasure. All right, everybody. And if you've liked this show, please like, share, subscribe, and comment. We'll see you next time on the QTS Experience. Take care, everybody.